Uh, I've been unaccountably excited about the meeting today because <laughs> I am so expectant of what God wants to do. Uh, I've been preaching for quite a few years and I don't think I've ever got so stuck on one subject before. I was meant to have moved on weeks ago, but I really feel like God is wanting us to talk about the Holy Spirit as part of Going on mission is about knowing the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk about that today. Uh, And in talking about it, I want to talk about a good friend of mine. Uh, He's a really good friend. He is absolutely perfect, a friend. And he's called the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about knowing him, knowing him like that, knowing him as your friend, knowing the Holy Spirit as your friend. I don't know if you can remember the first time that you encountered him. Um, I mean, probably you will have sensed his presence many years before you even understood what it was you were sensing. I mean, quite often we'll have people who visit the church and they're they're not even believers yet. They They don't know Jesus. But they'll say things like, why couldn't I stop crying when we were worshiping? Or what was that? Wait, that heaviness in the room that was so good. And what was that peace I was feeling as you were praying? Don't even know that it is the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what it is. He's the Holy Spirit. And I, I know for me, uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit was very much part of my home growing up. Grew up, as my dad was talking a couple of weeks ago, wasn't he, uh, about our home being a place where the presence of God uh, was found. And it really was, the presence of God would pervade the atmosphere of our home. And I I want to say it still does in our home today. The presence of God is there. It should be. He's with us. I guess I didn't personally experience the Holy Spirit until I was about 14 years of age. Uh, When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, this happened to me in my bedroom just kneeling by my bed. And uh, I just simply said, Holy Spirit, I want you to fill me and I want you to be Lord of my life. That isn't me, but it doesn't have to look like me, doesn't it? <laughs> and, and getting filled with the Holy Spirit that first time, in, in one sense, it was quite unspectacular. Because all that happened in that moment of being filled was an overwhelming sense of peace. It was the peace that I felt in my room, the peace that I felt in my home. uh, At that point, entered me. It entered the deepest part of me. I, I felt that peace on the inside, that which I'd felt on the outside. And that was actually pretty significant for me because up until that point, I'd struggled a lot with anxiety And so to feel peaceful inside was actually quite remarkable. So I didn't fall down, I didn't laugh, I didn't speak in tongues, I didn't prophesy, I didn't do any of those things. Some of those things might have happened to you when you got filled with the Spirit. I just felt peace. I just felt an overwhelming stillness. It was quiet inside for the first time that I could remember. The Holy Spirit was there. And since that time, it's always been a sign to me of his presence in my life. I I found consistently over the years that if I'm not walking closely with God, that's the first thing that goes, the peace. And the anxiety starts 
to return. So we're talking at the moment about knowing who we are and knowing what we've got. And if you're a believer today, then you have got the Holy Spirit. And you can have more of him. (laughs) But we've got the Holy Spirit. He is with you. He's upon you. And he's completely for you. But who is he? And what is he like? And how do we partner with him on mission? Let's just pause for a moment. Do you know, I think that's what's going to happen today. We're going to have to stop along the way. Is that okay? Because I find this, whenever I talk about the Holy Spirit, he just comes and he breaks out. And so that's quite okay, isn't it? Holy Spirit, you can do whatever you want to do in this meeting. We're really happy for the Holy Spirit to take over my message. And if I don't finish, that's okay by me. But I want to pause for a minute. I want to challenge you. In fact, you know, with, with people, what you find is they, they don't focus so well sat down. So just stand up for a minute. And I just want you to close your eyes and I want you to ask a question of yourself, first of all. Is the Holy Spirit my friend? Ask yourself that question. We'll just pause. Is the Holy Spirit my friend? Now I want you to ask another question. I want you in your heart to speak to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, am I your friend? Yeah? Then I want you to ask another question. Holy Spirit, what's Jesus like? This question that is really challenging me at the moment is, Holy Spirit, are you my best friend? Meaning, do I prioritize you? Am I prioritizing my relationship with you, Holy Spirit? Okay, just take a seat again now. And uh, this isn't to make you feel awkward or anything like that, but... How many people found the answer was there straight away? Yeah. If the Holy Spirit's in you, he speaks immediately when you ask him a question and you wait for it. And I want to encourage you to be asking that question of the Holy Spirit, saying, Holy Spirit, are you my friend? I want you to be my friend. I want you to show yourself to me like that. And friendship with the Holy Spirit starts with knowing his fullness in our lives. And the picture that's often used of fullness is, is that of a leaky vessel. You know, that we're all filled, but we need to continue to be filled because we leak. Like this leaky bucket that's shown on the screen there. We leak. And it's not a bad picture, is it? But actually, I've come across what I think is a much better picture, and that is of a boat with a sail. A sail that is full, a sail that is full of wind. And you see, for this to happen, the sail must be continually checked. It needs to be adjusted. It needs to be kept in good condition if we're to catch the prevailing wind. And you know, when this happens, the boat is driven forwards. It's powered into action. It's pushed in the direction 
that the wind is blowing. And I think this is a better picture of how we need to live in relationship with the Holy Spirit, to live in such a way that we catch the Spirit. How about that? Catch the Holy Spirit. Put your sail up and catch it. It means constantly adjusting our pace. It means adjusting our direction so that we can catch where he's going. It, it means becoming sensitive so that we learn to obey him so that we will literally walk in the spirit, both individually and as a church. So often we will start any leaders meeting, any, any, any meeting where we talk about the church, we'll start with what's the Holy Spirit doing? What's God doing in the church? Let's make sure that we've caught the wind of the Spirit and we're going in the direction he wants us to go. Jesus says, doesn't he, in John chapter 3, he says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. And so it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. If you catch, if you caught the wind... <laughs> You're catching the wind with your sail. And that picture means that we need to adjust our sail to catch the wind. Or maybe even the sail is flapping a bit. It needs a bit of adjusting, a bit of pulling in. Maybe it even needs mending. Life happens and sometimes the sail gets twisted or it gets caught in something. And we just need to release that to God and say, Lord... I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I've been feeling that. Sorry I've been thinking that. Lord, I just want to adjust. I want to repent, change the way that I think, because I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. I want to be driven along by that. I want to know his power and the direction that he's blowing in. And then it's true to say that you have the Holy Spirit. You have him leading you, directing you driving you into his purposes. And, you know, it's one of the most exhilarating things about sailing. I went sailing just recently on Rutland Water with a friend of mine. Do you know the exhilaration of catching the wind and being driven along at a huge pace? It feels like a million miles an hour in a tiny little sailing boat. And you're being driven along and you sit there and you think, this is free, this is free. I don't even have to pay fuel. This is amazing. It's free power. The exhilaration of having your sail filled with wind. How much more to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be living, catching, catching the wind of the Spirit in our lives. But of course the Holy Spirit is not just a wind and I find that there's so much confusion over this. You know, so many get what it means to have Father God. The Father, he's the head of the family. He brings security. He brings discipline, direction. We get that. We understand that. We've got a model for that. Even if we don't like it, we've got it there. He's the Father. We understand Jesus. Jesus, the man, the man, God who became flesh. You can read about him. You can read the stories of him. You can identify with him in the Gospels. You understand what he did and why he did it. But the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, what's that about? Or even worse, the Holy Ghost. As it used to be talked about from the authorised version when I was growing up, it was always the Holy Ghost this. It freaked me out. Didn't understand what it meant. But let me just say this, the Holy Spirit, he's a person. He's not a force 
in the way, he's not a force in the universe for good. <laughs> he's not an entity. He's a person. He's not a spooky, smoky wisp that blows through the air and you don't know quite what you're getting. He's a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. He is co-equal with the Father and the Son. He's God. (laughs) And he's worthy of honor and he deserves our worship and we should obey him as Lord. And just like the Father and the Son He has personality. Did you know the Holy Spirit has a personality? He's a person after all. He is knowable. He is relatable. And he is here. He's here. You know, it says, doesn't it, that the church is the dwelling place of God. It's, It's the dwelling place, the catching place. We catch the Holy Spirit in the church. Amen. He's here. He's the contact person of the Godhead. He, he's on the earth and Jesus isn't. Jesus isn't here. Jesus isn't here anymore. He left and he went back to be with the Father. Jesus is in heaven. He's in heaven with the Father. And that's better for us. According to Jesus, he says that's better for us because we have the Holy Spirit. We have the very essence of God with us, in us, and upon us. It means that we get to do the greater things that Jesus talked about. Whatever that means. But it's greater because there's more of us at least full of the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. So do you know him? Do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you know, we, I, I just realized this week, we often talk about, do you know Jesus? But do you know the Holy Spirit? What is he like? How would you describe him to someone? What's his personality like? Do you know what grieves him? Or what pleases him? Do you know what he likes? You know, if we've got a good friend coming around, we like to make a meal for them. They like, what's your favorite meal? What about the Holy Spirit? Do you know what he likes? Do you know what he doesn't like? What is the extent of your relationship with him? And these are really important questions for us to consider in knowing the Holy Spirit and that we're on a mission with him today in the world. I mean, wouldn't you rather be powered by the wind? A few weeks ago, I said, do you have any power? Huh? Have you got any power? This is where it comes from. It's wind power, driven by the Holy Spirit. Have you got any power? you got any drive? Maybe you just want to put your sail up again. Just right where you are, just say, all right, Lord, I just put the sail up. Will you just come and fill the sail? Just put your arms out like this. Say, Holy Spirit, just come and fill the sail. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit right now. Just come and blow me. Blow me into your purposes. Direct me, Lord. I want to adjust the sail again. I realize I've been facing the wrong way. Just turn around. That's all you need to do. Say, Lord, I'm turning around. I'm facing the world too much. I'm facing my problems too much. I'm turning into the flow. I'm stepping into the flow of the wind of your spirit.
want to catch that wind right now. Just blow, Holy Spirit. Just blow and let me catch you. Let me be caught by you. Jesus. Lord, I want your fullness. I want the sail full. I don't want any more flapping. (laughs) Father. You know, one of the most dangerous things in sailing is trying to turn in a different direction to the wind. That's when the risk is of capsize or shipwreck. You need to get your sail back. Get it back. It's not enough to have been filled with the Spirit 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago. We need to adjust the sail all the time. Holy Spirit, where are you? Where are you blowing? And step into the flow of his spirit. Who is he? Who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? This person that we're talking about. What is he like? Let me tell you. The Holy Spirit. I don't know if I can get through this sentence. (laughs) Let me tell you. The Holy Spirit is the loveliest Most beautiful person on earth. He's gentle. He's so gentle, but he's so powerful. And he is holy. He is so holy above all things. He is holy, but he's loving and he's kind. Let me tell you what he's like. He, he's sensitive. He's so sensitive. Did you know he's offendable? You can offend the Holy Spirit. He feels things. He gets hurt. That staggers me. He perceives and he responds. In fact, he is just like any other person. He speaks And he's got a will and he's got a purpose and he's got a mission and he wants to catch us up with it. And you know, he's often portrayed as a dove and it's a really good picture. When he manifests his presence, he looks like a dove, doesn't he, in the Bible? And I think it's a really good picture of his personality. You know, a dove will fly away. It will withdraw if it feels threatened. But if it's welcomed, if it's fed, if it's invited, if the relationship is cultivated, he will come and he will stay near. Do you know the Holy Spirit like that? Do you know how to cultivate that relationship, that intimacy? Jesus says that the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit came and descended upon him in the form of a dove and it stayed. It it landed and it stayed. It rested on him. I want to suggest to you that the Holy Spirit rests on those that welcome him. And he finds a good resting place. Has he got that with you? Has he got that with us as a church? Is the Holy Spirit at home here? 
We're the dwelling place of God. That's what the Bible says. Is he at home here? Is his presence readily available? Do we rush into his presence when we come together? But there's this contradiction as well. He's this gentle, he's this peaceful, he's this... But then he's violent wind. (laughs) He's violent wind and he's fire. And it says that the mountains melt like wax before him. If you look through the Bible, where wherever God manifests his presence, there are so many ways that he does that. And there are different manifestations at different times. So, for example, with Moses, he, he cried out from Mount Horeb and he said, Lord, I want to see your glory. I want to see the manifestation of your presence. And what he got was a voice that proclaimed the Lord's name. I wonder if that's what he expected, a voice. And the voice said, the Lord, the Lord, he's compassionate and gracious and slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. There was no thunder, there were no mountains melting, there was no fire, there was no clouds or lightning. I wonder if that's what he expected when Moses cried out, Lord, I want to see your glory. I want to see your manifest presence. And then six centuries later, Elijah encountered the Lord in the same place. And, it, and the Lord says to him, go and stand out for the presence of the Lord, the contact person of the Lord is about to pass by. And then there was this great and powerful wind. Surely the Lord is in that. Then it tore the mountains apart. Surely it's that. He shattered the rocks. Surely that's it before the Lord. But he wasn't there. He wasn't in the wind. Well, maybe it's after the wind was an earthquake. Maybe that's him. God, he's in the earthquake. And no, it's not in the earthquake. So maybe it's the fire. Yeah, of course it's the fire. It's going to be the fire, isn't it? No, the Lord wasn't in the fire. And then after the fire came a gentle whisper. And Elijah, the man of God, the prophet who recognized and understood the purposes and the manifestations of God, when he heard it, as he came out and he stood because he recognized the whisper. He recognized the whisper of his presence. I wonder if I would recognize that. I wonder if you would. Or would we get, just get carried away with the fireworks? <laughs> and then there's Ezekiel. He has a vision and he sees the manifest presence of God. And he says, I saw the glory of the Lord of Israel. He came out of the east and his voice was like the roar of rushing waters. The land was radiant with his glory, meaning indicating that there was something to see, there was something to hear, and his presence, his presence, the presence of God left a lasting impression, maybe something to feel, the radiance of the land. <laughs> he left a deposit of radiance as he passed by. Do we, do we have a deposit of radiance? <laughs> And as we go out of here, I love that in Acts when they say they saw that they had been with Jesus. I wonder if as we go out, people can see that the Holy Spirit is in us and upon us. Do you know what you've got? (laughs) It's not unlike Acts. There was a sound again. 
blowing violent wind. They saw, again, tongues of fire. And all of them were filled. They felt something. And then they began to speak. They began to do something. There was the hearing, the seeing, the feeling, the touching, the five senses. I wonder if they could smell something. Maybe they could smell burning. I don't know. But the five senses were employed as the manifest glory, the presence of the Holy Spirit came upon them. It was tangible. He's the contact person of the Godhead. You expect to encounter him. God manifests himself in different ways at different times by the Holy Spirit. But there are also different manifestations to different people. I just want to talk about that. One time Jesus, he just finished praying. And then it says that the crowd around him had a manifestation of the presence of God in the voice of God. It says that a voice came from heaven. The Father spoke by the Holy Spirit. I glorified it. I've glorified your name, Jesus. I will glorify it again. And the crowd that was there heard it and said that it thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Some heard thunder. Some saw or discerned an angel. Different people can experience different things even within the same meeting. Even within the same meeting, Paul on the Damascus Road, experienced, he experienced a light from heaven. It flashed around him, it blinded him, and he fell to the ground. But those around him heard a voice. Uh, but it says that the men around him heard the sound. Some others just heard the sound of a voice, but didn't hear what the voice said. And it's very common for different people to experience the presence of God in different ways and to respond to it differently too. Now, last year we had a worship day here with Angela Cam, and as we were worshiping on the evening, um, I distinctly, it was so, so profoundly obvious to me that there was a cloud floating from that end of the room across the platform all the way down to the end of the room. There was a cloud just floating through the room. It's like a mist. I can't describe it any other way. I spoke to Angela. I said, Angela, do you see that mist? She said, yeah, I see that mist. I thought, great, it's not just me. Saw this mist. It was so tangible. It's so visible. I spoke to other people. I said, do you see that mist? No, I can see light. I spoke to somebody else. I said, do you see that mist? No, I can see angels. So there was that encounter, that moment, different people saw and experienced different things. And so Andrew and I said, well, what are we going to do with this? Let's call people forward. They can come and, and kneel under the cloud. A, just a prophetic sign of wanting to be saturated with God. And people came forward and some people, as soon as they touched the platform, they fell down. Other people, as soon as they touched the platform, they laughed. Other people, they just knelt and went very, very still and very, very quiet. Some just worshipped. All different people, different personalities, different responses to the same thing. It's okay. Maybe you're not a laugher. Maybe you're not a crier. Maybe you're not dramatic at all. Maybe you need to be. Maybe you need to let it out a bit. Maybe you need a good laugh. Maybe you do, but maybe you're not like that. Maybe you're a quieter personality. One of the things that really strikes me is when the quiet ones get really loud and the loud ones get really quiet. Now that's supernatural. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. The, it, what matters is that we respond to him. 
and we're not close to him, that we're open to him. Lord, fill the sail. <laughs> Some, that power in Canada is going to have a different effect on different people. You see, the Holy Spirit knows you. He knows how you're wired and he is capable of communicating with you according to your personality and type. So I've often found this when you pray with people that, uh, you know, when I first started praying for people, I used to get really discouraged if nothing seemed to happen. You know, there's some people, I've said this before, but they're like praying for a fridge. It's just cold and hard on the outside, but there's something humming on the inside, but you don't know quite what's going on. And I used to get really discouraged by that until I found that actually you've got to just be a little bit more accepting of different people. Because I found with some people, you touch their hands and the presence of God is there. You touch their heart, the presence of God is there. You touch their head and you can hardly touch their head because the anointing is there. Some of you more cerebral types, that's where it is, around there, the anointing's there. I get really encouraged now. Some people touch their feet. And then you need to wash your hands. <laughs> but look, do you know the Holy Spirit is your friend? Do you know him as your friend? If we're going to partner with him on mission, we're going to need to go beyond tongues and prophecy and all the gifts of the Spirit, which we often see as the sign, <laughs> and actually get to know the giver. Go beyond the gifts and get to know the giver. He needs to become real to you. He needs to be your companion, your teacher, your confidant. We need to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Well, before anything, we just have to start talking to him. So I do this. This is just me, but I'm crazy. When I wake up in the morning, hello, Holy Spirit, I love you. When I get in the shower, Holy Spirit, this is why I'm so long in the shower, by the way. But I get in the shower and the, and the water comes down and say, Holy Spirit, will you just flood me, fill me, saturate me, wash me? When you go down and you eat your breakfast, drink your coffee, whatever, involve him. Take him to work with you. Take him shopping with you. Involve him. Talk with him in the car when you drive around the house. Just involve him in your life. Oh, Lord, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do about this. What am I going to do with this problem case? What am I going to do with that document? Learn to listen as well. Don't just talk, but listen. Ask him questions, but listen to what he says. And it, it takes practice. But ask him to reveal himself to you in the day-to-day. And you'll be surprised at the difference he makes to your day and the stories that you come back with because you've involved him in your day. And do other things that you might do with another person to develop your relationship with him or her. A friend of mine, he has a practice of making coffee for him and the Holy Spirit. And he says, one day... He'll drink it, and I won't know what to do then. <laughs> oh, but what about staying up late and chatting with him as you would with a friend? I, I, that's my thing. I, I like to stay up late, turn all the lights off, nobody's around, and just talk with the Holy Spirit. Maybe drink a glass of wine sometimes if he feels like it. <laughs> he prefers spirits. Oh. <laughs> 
Just joking. But just sit around with him. Don't be so religious about it. Just sit around with the Holy Spirit. Get to know him. Let him get to know you. Of course, he already knows you, but let him come in. Ask him to touch you, to open your senses. Learn how to enjoy his presence. Be aware of his favor in your life. Review the day when you get to the end of the day. Where was the Holy Spirit? What was he doing? What did I miss? Okay, so all that, now I've just said that, for you prophetic types, you're already away, you've gone, that's it, you're great. Well, carry on going now, that's absolutely fine. But different people encounter God in different ways, so I want to just also bring a bit of structure to this. Uh, Something more tangible for different people to get hold of. And it starts, I think, with understanding the role that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives, and knowing what the Father has sent him to do. So that we begin to recognize his presence all around us and then learn how to co-work with him. So I'm just going to give you a few ideas now. What does the Holy Spirit do? Do this quite quickly. Well, the first thing is he confirms who we are. The Holy Spirit confirms who we are. Jesus says that the Spirit will come to us so that we're not left as orphans. We're not left destitute. Paul says that it's the Spirit within us that enables us to call God Abba. Daddy, Father, and testifies to us that we are God's children. So that means we can be secure in our salvation and sonship. I mean, if you've got God inside of you confirming and affirming who you are, then what is there to doubt? The trouble is we don't often listen. We don't often ask him. So why not ask him? Say, Holy Spirit, right? do this right now. Say, Holy Spirit, who am I to you? (laughs) Who am I to you? Why don't you just ask him right now? Just say, Holy Spirit, who am I to you? And listen. What does he say? What does he say? Just a few people shout out, what does he say? Child of God. Don't be able to get that one. That's the right answer. <laughs> You're precious. Anybody else? Just try again then. So I distracted you. Who am I to you, Holy Spirit? Ask him this question. This is a good one. What does Jesus say about me, Holy Spirit? Ask him that. Chosen. Chosen. Loved. Loved. Ask him one more question. Say, Holy Spirit, what do you think about me? Who heard I'm at your amazing? That's what you just said to me. I think he did anyway. <laughs> I'll take it. What does he say to you? What, what do you think of me? Holy Spirit, what do you think of me? This is part of developing a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Just asking questions. Don't even try to quote scripture. Often the Holy Spirit will quote scripture. That's what it says, doesn't it? He'll bring all things back to your remembrance. But ask him, let him initiate what he wants to say to you. And I tell you, it will change your life when you begin to hear heaven's perspective on you. Secondly then, so he confirms who we are. He helps us to obey God. There is no one on earth who doesn't get tempted by sin 
or battle with the devil's lies. Not even Terry Virgo. And, and, and you know, why is it that sometimes it seems that the devil is so much easier to hear than the Holy Spirit? Why is it that we find lies easier to hear, easier to believe? Why? Well, because it confirms what we really think our identity is. That's why it's easier to hear. If we're not convinced about the truth of who we are, then that's why you'll hear those things. But listen, we have got a secret weapon in this. The Holy Spirit, he works continually with us to renew our minds, change our hearts and give us new desires and ability to live a godly life. And you know, people get so discouraged about this. You know, it just seems to take so long to change. Anybody? You know, I've been battling against this for years. It just takes so long to change. And not realizing that actually the frustration and irritation you're feeling about that battle is a work of the Holy Spirit. And that he's already doing stuff in you that you didn't realize. I'm fed up with doing that. I'm fed up with failing at that. I'm fed up with that. Good. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Because before the Holy Spirit was working, you quite enjoyed sinning. You quite enjoyed doing that and pleasing yourself and satisfying the flesh and all that. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. The fact that I'm irritated about that. I don't want to do that anymore. So just be encouraged, will you? (laughs) That's a work of the Spirit in our lives. Take encouragement from your frustration. It's a clear indication of his work that we start to want different things. To desire what is good. To long for purity. That's a work of the spirit. It's not a work of the flesh. The flesh lusts against that. It's the opposite. The flesh wants all the bad stuff. So be encouraged. And the best tip I can give you in learning to obey him is learn to obey him in the small things. Be sensitive to him at the earliest moment. Notice when he is withdrawing from you. Remember the dove? He comes close. When you start to do stuff, bad stuff, you start to look at bad stuff or get involved in bad attitudes, the dove starts to to move away. You just feel a sense of his presence. He's not, oh, he's not quite with me anymore. What did I just do? And as you grow in sensitivity and in that relationship, you'll notice that sooner. Just one look is enough for me now. Not always, because sometimes I'm hard-hearted and sinful and all the rest. (coughs) But sometimes it's just one look. I thought, I shouldn't have done that. Sorry, Lord. And he's back. One thought, one attitude, just the one. And then when we learn how to respond to the ones, we don't do the big thing, the big sin that's caught us time and time again. So, for example, I've I've been reading a series of novels. I love reading books. I, I devour books. And I just found this new intriguing set of novels and I was gripped by the storyline, so well written. I won't tell you what it is, cause, but there were some things in it that weren't quite what I'd normally read. It was a little bit dodgy, but I thought, no, it's such a good book. I want to read it and find out what happens. Anybody else got caught in that one? And I just sensed the Holy Spirit wasn't very happy. He'd leave me when I was reading this book. And then I said, okay, I won't read. I won't read that anymore. Or I'll skip a few pages, maybe. <laughs> But be sensitive to him. Is the dove with you? Is he with you? Is he filling your sail? He helps us to pray. He uh, teaches us and gives us revelation. Ever find the Bible read Bible reading a drag? 
Simon Clay never does. But the rest of us. I mean, you need a good teacher. Jesus tells us the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. And you know, I have genuinely found this so cool because I have to do lots of sermons and stuff. But I'll be reading something and a verse jumps out to me and suddenly it begins to make sense. I even get the precise original meaning in the Hebrew and the Greek sometimes. Then I check it up in a book later and thought, wow, that is so cool. It works. But not only reading, reading isn't just what I'm going for. I don't want to just understand what I'm reading. I want more than that. I want revelation. Say, I want revelation. Say that. I want revelation. I don't want to just read it. I want to live it. I want to experience it. I want it to be tangible. I call it the fourth dimension of scripture, the supernatural element. I want to step into that. There's a kind of a eureka moment where it begins to live for me and becomes real to me. And I can step into it, walk around in it, see it and experience it. But this can only happen when the Holy Spirit who wrote the Bible in the first place sits down with you. So just let me throw something in there. You have to invite him to do that. You have to invite him. Holy Spirit, we just come and explain this to me right now. Teachers love that. You know, teachers love to be asked. I don't understand this. Will you teach me? So invite him. Holy Spirit, come and teach me about this. He helps us to pray. Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit helps us to pray when we don't know how to pray. Anybody? If you're anything like me, it's most of the time. I hardly ever know what to pray or how to pray about things. So ask him. Holy Spirit, what shall I pray about this? Don't assume that you know. Don't pray in the flesh. Wait for a moment. When somebody says, will you pray for me? I've got this situation in my life. Just pause and say, okay, Holy Spirit, are you here? Let's just wait for you. Now I'll pray. I just felt that as I was preparing this, uh, I was praying before the meeting this morning, I felt like there's somebody, you've been battling against a situation. You've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying and nothing's been shifting, nothing's been moving. I just feel to say to you, stop praying. Stop praying about that thing and pause and ask the Holy Spirit what he wants you to pray about it and then you'll see breakthrough. I feel like you've been battling against something. It's been going on for some years now. But there are some specific things that he wants you to pray about. James says, um, you don't have because you don't ask right. (laughs) That's not your please and thank yous. It's you need to ask in accordance with his will. You need to understand, well, who knows his will? The Holy Spirit. He says he searches and knows the deep will of God. Or pray in tongues if you don't know what to pray. And then after a while of praying in the tongues, just say to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, can I now interpret what I've just been praying so I can say amen to it? We do that sometimes when we pray together on a Sunday evening. We'll pray in tongues and I say, all right, now, straight away, without thinking about it, pray out in English what you just prayed in tongues. Everybody goes, can't do that. But you can do that. It comes in partnership with the gift of tongues is the gift of interpretation. You can step into the interpretation. Then finally, he heals and he performs miracles. We're going to talk about this the next few times. But partnering with the Holy Spirit will inevitably lead you into the supernatural. Now, we can get so bound up sometimes with the theology of healing or the disappointment or 
deliverance, how, how, when, what, where, who, all those questions, I've done it all. But it's actually much simpler just learning to follow what the Holy Spirit's saying. I don't know how to pray for sick people sometimes. So I asked the Holy Spirit, say, what do you want me to pray? There's a chap I was praying for a little while ago. He had a severe back problem. It was in another church. And he's, he's been plagued with this back problem. And he really wanted to be healed. And I really wanted him to be healed. You know that moment? I just felt for him. He was in pain. And, and uh, anyway, I prayed for him. Nothing happened. Prayed for him again. Nothing happened. And then the Holy Spirit, I said, oh, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Which I should have done at the first place. And he says, tell him that as he goes from here, he will be healed. I said, oh, Lord, I want to see him healed. Because <laughs> you know, we want our own way, don't we? we want to, that's wow. Come on, get him to give his testimony. And it was uh, a week later, I got an email to say, it happened as you said. Normally when I, he was in Birmingham and drove to London, he said, by the time I got to London, got out of the car, my back was completely healed. No more pain. Been pain-free all week. I got that a week later. Follow the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus did. He says, I only do what I see the Father doing. How did he see what the Father is doing? By the Holy Spirit. So we'll talk a bit more about that time, about that next time. So that's what it's about today. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you want to know him? You say, I missed out on this. Hold on, I didn't get this talk. Do you want to know him? Or do you just want to know him a bit more because you thought, I have neglected that, because I did. That's what I feel God's been talking to me about. Is he your friend? Would you like him to be? You know, like in the school playground, it's really awkward, isn't it? You go around and say, would you like to be my friend? And then you're just worried about the rejection. There's going to be no rejection from the Holy Spirit. That's what he delights in. There's no rejection. He's waiting for you to invite him to be your best friend.